Welcome to episode two, How I Got Back to Therapy. Trigger warnings for this episode include abuse, suicide, eating disorders, PTSD, toxic relationships, and assault. Before I got with my current boyfriend, I was in a long-term relationship with someone who was older than me and had two children. He was divorced. He had two different mothers for his children. And we ended up meeting at a job that I used to work at. Our relationship was electric in the beginning. We were very close, very quick. I think looking back, we probably trauma bonded heavily. And our relationship quickly became almost like a means to an end. I wanted to move out of my parents' house, but rent was continuing to increase. And he really didn't have a solid place to live. Um, The running joke between friends and I is that he was homeless, but he did live somewhere. It was just very far away. And if he was in the area for multiple days at a time, he would sleep in his car. So that should give you an idea of like what we were working with. I had found a house that I was in love with. And when we went to see it together, he jumped on board. The agreement from the beginning was that we were going to be roommates and we were going to coexist in this house, go half on everything. Um, It even gave him a space for his children to come and visit uh, on weekends or whenever he had them. Quickly after... I was approved for the house. Um, We moved in and we went from being roommates who were going to be in two different rooms, just kind of feeling things out to spending the first night in my room together. And then that's where he moved into. So we jumped very quickly into our relationship, then very quickly into living together in a more romantic respect than friend or roommate. Our relationship was a little tumultuous once we moved in together. Quickly, I learned that I was the one responsible for doing pretty much everything. Um, Housework, things that needed to be done for the car or the house or insert here. I mean, I became responsible for absolutely everything up to and including his child. It was really disheartening for me because at the time I had just turned 24 years old. I had no children of my own. I still don't have any children of my own. And I was thrust into this position. Really, I thrust myself into this position where I was now helping someone raise a child that I barely knew. I was helping someone I barely knew raise their child. I mean, it was... In hindsight, it was probably not the best choice. But after being together for a while, I will admit there felt like a certain obligation to stick around. Um, I was younger and had more freedoms at my disposal, had more opportunities, had more get-out-of-jail-free cards, for lack of a better word. But he was stuck. He 
had nowhere to go if it wasn't with me. He had no financial options if I wasn't there because he had to pay child support for two children and what was left was not livable. So we began this transactional period in our relationship that quickly became the norm. All the money would go into the account for bills. I would handle bills and shopping and taking care of the house. He would go to work 10-hour days, four days a week. And then those three days off, if I didn't ask him to do anything, they were spent in front of the TV playing video games. Now, I know how this sounds. I don't have anything against video games. I like to play video games myself. My current partner is a huge gamer. However, my ex took it to an unhealthy level. I remember a day where he had spent 16 hours straight playing a game, only leaving his space to get food, drink, and go to the bathroom. I remember there being times when I would look on our bank statements and we would have hundreds of dollars taken out of the account and it always led back to games. It was really challenging for me since I was in a place that I wanted to save for a house, I wanted to save for another car, I wanted to save for a future, but he had a tendency to run money through his pockets like it was a mill. I mean, it was like he had this feeling of money in his pockets and it just burned and he had to spend it. This, in turn, started to affect my saving habits and my spending habits. So by the time COVID hit, not only had I already mentally left the relationship Because by that point, we had been a couple years in and I was just mentally and emotionally spent. But we were also in a position where we were living in an apartment I didn't want to live in, in an area I didn't want to live in, and we were stuck. We were just stuck with each other in this small space with nothing but two cats and silent air. We were both put in a position where we had to work from home. I handled it well. I actually still work from home. It works for me. It was hell for him. He didn't realize how much he relied on human contact those four days that he'd be in the office. So he fell into a pretty dark mental space when COVID hit. Meanwhile, I was also falling into a deep, dark mental space when COVID hit because I was dependent on the human interaction I would get going out to the bars with my friends. At that time, I ran in a group of a lot of friends and we went out almost every weekend. That was what really pushed me through a lot of hard days Because when you're in a relationship where you feel stuck, but you want nothing more than to get out, if your only way to get out is to go out, you do it and you find the people you can do it with. Once the end of the relationship was coming, a few months after COVID hit, 
I started to realize how dependent I became on company of other people, validation of other people. And it started to really weigh on me. I had reverted back to my eating disorder that I had struggled with for years. I was bulimic from the end of middle school, almost through high school, and dipped back into bulimia when I was in college. By the time I'd reverted back to those habits at the end of that relationship, I was about seven years clean off of doing anything to alter my body in a negative way. And it was really hard to watch myself revert back when so much progress had been made to get me to that point. And I don't blame COVID. I don't even blame my ex. I blame life. (laughs) You know, life is hard. It's unpredictable. I really never thought that that relationship was going to end, let alone end as horribly as it did. So like I said, you know, mentally, I was out of that relationship before COVID even started. But COVID put me in a position where I was working from home. I was taking care of the same home I was living in all hours of every day. I had no escape. And because my ex's son needed to go to school virtually, the only option was to stay with us since his, you know, the son's mother didn't have access to internet where she lived. So then I was also a home tutor and a home teacher for a child that was not biologically mine, but for every other reason was. To this day, that was one of the hardest things about ending that relationship. Was knowing that I had also cut off and ended a relationship with his son. I didn't have a relationship with his other child because his ex-wife was adamant about having no contact between them, but his son and I had grown very close very quick, especially since my ex and I moved in together so quickly. But he had gone through a lot and he was traumatized in ways that I could resonate with, I related to. Unfortunately, I was also his only advocate in those situations. And that is when you are hit with the, you're not his real mom. Which hurt a lot at the time. Still hurts when I think about it. But his mother was right. I wasn't his mother. I legally didn't have a say on what happened with him. So, struggling with that relationship, as well as the relationship I had with my ex's father, there was so much that I was struggling with internally. And the thought that I was leaving the relationship after trying absolutely everything I could... It was hard. It was really hard. I didn't want to hurt anyone, especially not him or his son. I had grown so close with both of them. But sometimes when you do what's best for you, 
You just have to take the hit that you're going to be the villain in someone's story. In that story, I can be seen as the villain. Because with everything leading up to the end of that relationship, I didn't talk to anyone about what was going on. No one knew about the multiple times that he assaulted me. No one knew about the bruises that I was hiding every time I left the house. No one knew about the cruel things that he would say to me when he got angry. Or even if he was just frustrated with something else and taking his anger out on me. I didn't show everybody the holes in the wall that he left. The same way I didn't tell everyone about the things that he threw at me. When you're in that situation, you know, you can talk to your friends and to anyone else about on unhealthy habits and how unhealthy it is that they're staying. But when you're in it, nobody really tells you how much different it is and how hard it is to take that step back. What was really difficult for me was that I had a really hard choice to make. Did I want to be divorced by the age of 30? Or did I want to push through and try to save my marriage? And then I found out the dirty secret that we were never married. It's weird because you hear stories like this and you think, oh my gosh, that's absolutely impossible. There's no way that that happened. And then something crazy like this happens to you and you sit back and go, yeah, I can see it now. I was writing this high, this fantasy of what I thought a happy relationship was supposed to look like. I ignored the times that he choked me or the times that he screamed at me until I cried. Because on paper, on social media, we looked happy. And I didn't want to destroy anyone's idea of what happy could look like. Until I realized that Other people's idea of happiness was nowhere near as important as my own happiness was. When I ended that relationship, it was really quiet. I didn't tell a lot of people. And if we're being honest, there's a lot of people who still don't know the whole story. But I fell into such a deep, dark depression. Because... I really thought that I met the love of my life. I thought that I was feeling all the things you were supposed to feel. I thought I was doing all of the right things that a woman is supposed to do for her man. I really thought that I was done. That I'd figured it out. Only to find out that I was just... Another fool on his tour of heartbreak. 
And he took advantage of such a vulnerable, naive young girl. There's not a lot of relationships of mine that I regret. Friendships, family relationships, romantic. There's not a lot that I regret. And I don't regret the one with him either. I just regret how long I stayed. I stayed under this guise of being married. And to find out that we weren't even legally married and I had been taken for a ride, taken for a fool for over two years, walking around with a ring on my finger, writing his last name on my checks. Checks that... We were writing for a future together. It was all nothing. It was all fugazi. It was all fake. And that was my breaking point. That was when I snapped. I blew up on him in a way that I had never blown up on anybody before. And I remember I was walking around and just feeling so much anger. It felt like I was a Tasmanian devil of anger and toxicity. I kicked him out of the room because he couldn't afford another place to live. And then I had to come up with a plan on how he was going to leave our house, our apartment anyway. Because of COVID and him losing his job, We were forced by fate to live together for six months after we broke up. A hallway apart. And it was probably one of the worst eras of my life. I was walking on eggshells. There was no peace in my home. I woke up every day looking for reasons to leave my house. And eventually it morphed into ways to leave the earth and suicidal thoughts. Past traumas were resurfacing from when I was younger. I had started self-harming again after years of not touching anything in that way. And it got to a point where friends close friends of mine were trying to even convince me to admit myself to an institution or a hospital because they were concerned. But I wasn't concerned for my life. I was more concerned for my mental state and for good reason. So one day while I was sitting in my room thinking about all of the terrible things that were going on in my life. I got an email from our HR department at my old job. And it was honestly just a run-of-the-mill email. It was like a mass email that went out to everyone for this service that was provided by our HR team to connect employees and their families with therapists and um, professionals in the uh, like social work industry. Um, I mean, they were helping with everything from like legal aid to disaster plans. I mean, it w- it was a really cool service. So I clicked the link 
because I was tired of feeling tired. I was tired of being on autopilot. If we're being honest, it almost felt like I was watching someone else live my life. Watching someone else flailing, hoping and praying that somebody was going to pay attention or intervene. So I called the number in the email and I was connected with a therapist who, I'm not going to lie, really put a lot of things into perspective for me. To this day, I can never thank her enough for the initial work that she did to get me back into therapy. And after about a year and some change talking to her, I got connected with a new therapist at an organization called SOAR, Survivors of Abuse and Recovery. I got a therapist that has targeted experience and education and the traumas that I've experienced. And I am now seeing a therapist at SOAR twice a week. We've been seeing each other for a little over a year now. And I am so much happier and (laughs) I have so much more peace than I think I've ever had. My story is a best case scenario. You know, I realized something was bad. I realized I needed a change. I reached out and I got the help that I needed. But like I said in the first episode, I know that that's not always an option for other people. So if you have a job, chances are you have an HR department. See if Coastline EAP is available to you or if there's another service like it that can connect you to professionals who can help. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think my first five to ten sessions were free. I can't remember the number, but the first few were free. If you don't have that option, I know that there's an app called BetterHelp. By the way... None of this is sponsored. I'm not getting paid for any of this. This is just friendly advice from a girl named Angel. But you can go to BetterHelp or find another app. And honestly, if you don't think therapy is for you or if you just gave it a shot and it never worked out, that's okay too. If your version of therapy is dancing around to music in your room while you cry, go for it. This is not me promoting therapy or telling everyone they need to go. But it is me saying that it helped me a lot. It got me out of a really dark place. And it helped me into this beautiful place I'm in now. When I started therapy, I was living in a crappy apartment in a really bad area with my ex who was still abusing me, um, even though we weren't together. Living across the hall from him and, you know, having him literally listen to every phone call or conversation that I had, you know, dating or trying to, you know, hang out with people while he was still living there, that was a challenge, you know? And 
I wasn't very happy with my job. I wasn't happy with my living situation. I was in a really bad place mentally. And here I am, two and a half years later and some change, living in a great house with a partner that I couldn't be more thankful for. (laughs) In a relationship that's healthier than anyone I've ever been in. And I'm able to look back on my experiences and my traumas and the people I've been with. I'm able to see where they were the problem or where I was the problem. But either way, I just feel better about who I am and what I bring to the table. So that's how I got back into therapy. That's honestly what brought me to creating this podcast is that I think we all just need someone. And whether it's a therapist or a friend, a partner or a parent, whoever it is, we all need someone. We all need each other. That's where that word community comes back into play. So now that you know how I got back into therapy... Next episode, we're going to talk about some of the things that I dove into therapy. And let me tell you, the things you dive into with therapy, no one tells you about those. Because the hard truth is that therapy is not easy. It's really hard. You got to put a lot of work in to get the results that you want. But if you're willing, and if you're able, and you put that work in, That phrase, it gets better, becomes null and void. Because then you're sitting back, looking at everything, going, no, it got better. And that's how I feel. It got better. And I want it to get better for everyone else, too.